And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch. From growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So many of you are seeking funding, haven't been able to get funding. You're trying to maybe think, can I even get funded at all? And why can't I? I don't have a product yet. You can still get funded in pre-product phases. That's what we're going to talk about on today's episode. That is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. Also has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. That's my company. If you didn't know, we love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. So reach out. Let's see if we can find a couple solutions together. With me today, I have Adam Tank. And Adam is the chief customer officer and one of the founders at Transcend. He's the water guy. The water does, guy. Yeah, he does a whole lot of different <laughs> stuff with that. But well, water guy, welcome to welcome to startup. Thanks, also. Matt. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Good to be here and good to be in person, really. Yeah, well, it is. And that's that's uh that's uh I, I always like the in-person show. And um yeah, we're here at our uh, recording studio in lovely Kansas City, Kansas, which you know most people don't realize that Kansas City's mostly in Missouri. True. Yeah, I Very just true. blew. There's someone listening that just blew. The Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs play in Missouri, people, but we are in Kansas City, Kansas today. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so I like to start my conversations with a little bit about your backstory, and let's just uh, you know, who are you, man? Why are you the water guy? Who what, am I, yeah. and how did I end up in water? Yeah, it's, lay, it, lay it on us. It's an interesting story. I'll try to keep it as short as I can. But I grew up knowing nothing about business and entrepreneurship. Absolutely nothing. I grew up in a family of basically government workers, public servants, teachers, and the mantra that was always grilled into my head was conservative job, steady paycheck every two weeks, get the insurance, know where your food is coming from, and don't ever deviate from that. So when I ended up going to college, I did the very conservative route, got a degree in microbiology, thought I was going to become a doctor. And my senior year in college, a buddy of mine entered an entrepreneurship competition for the school. And he was in the business school. I was in arts and sciences. I knew nothing about business at the time. And he said, I don't need you to do anything business related. I just want you to come and help me pitch this idea to judges because you can speak and I'm not as good of a speaker. He wrote the entire business plan. I went and pitched and we won this competition. And that was sort of my first eye opener into, oh my God, there's this world that's not just medical school or graduate school or a steady paycheck every two weeks. There's this whole world of business and entrepreneurship that I should think about. So after I graduated, I decided to do full-time job, went to work for a Fortune 500, and then through a series of very fortunate events, ended up in the water industry, which is something I'm unbelievably passionate about now, not only from a societal point of view and solving technically complex problems, but important problems. I love waking up every day, helping people get clean water. That's where I am today. Well, that's a big thing, you know, and man... Throw your trash in the right place, people. 
<laughs> yeah. I just want to say that. Like, I'm kind of embarrassed for like the planet on some days, but you know, you get into a lot of that. Uh, we're going to, you know, thank you for helping. I always like to thank sure. people that, that do. Okay. You do thankless stuff. Mm. And I say that because no one says thank you for the water that comes out of the faucet. Yeah. And well, no one a, thinks about it. Yeah. No one thinks right. about it. And in right. Kansas city, I don't know where you live in Kansas city, but we just recently had a monster water main break downtown and people were out of water for 48 hours, yeah. something like that. So that's businesses, homes, the streets were closed off. And the people that are doing the really thankless work are the ones that are out there at 2 AM when it's 20 yeah. degrees fixing pipes right. and digging up streets. But again, no one thinks about the fact that all of this water has to get to your house somehow. And it actually takes an incredible amount of engineering, millions of dollars, tons of permitting. I mean, there's a whole business, you know, a whole industry wrapped up in this. And it's one that I enjoy tackling. It's not just industry, it's infrastructure and 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 necessity. Mm-hmm. And you look at the I think you take these a lot of things for granted. Um, you look at like what happened with Flint, Michigan. Oh yeah, a few years back, and, terrible. And then all of a sudden, these things are brought under the spotlight, and kind of makes you wonder, you know, what's coming out. I I've even I don't even remember the name of it, but there was a documentary about it had people that lived near some kind of petroleum manufacturing. Mm. They were like lighting their water on fire in the documentary. Maybe it was dark, dark waters. I can't, there, I can't remember. I, I, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. It was, yeah. you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, a save the planet. Oh yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. But, I mean, dude, like you should not, if you can light your water on fire when it's coming out <laughs> there's of your a faucet, problem. like there's a problem. You might want to, you <laughs> might want to put that, just start making a lot of noise, but you know, that's, that is how things get disrupted and how things get fixed. And, you know, I have a couple of questions before I actually get into the pre-product thing, you know, at your business transcend, if you want to learn, well, first off, if you want to learn more about Adam, go to adamtank.com. There's a link in the show notes for that. There's also a a link to transcendinfra.com. Just scroll down and click the links. It's so much faster than trying to type it in yourself. Mm -hmm. It'll also give you a little perspective about what we're talking about while you listen. Now, you know, Transcend is a SaaS provider of engineering automation tools to global engineering, construction, technology, and utility sectors. And that's a real thing. Now, um, those are oftentimes, I'm well, either huge megacorps yep. or oh, yeah. municipalities. Right. That's right. Uh, but you, this is very much a software and entrepreneurial venture for you guys, right? Correct. All right. Correct. So you have investors or, Maybe we not, do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that at some point, based on today's topic, you had to get that funded pre-product. We did. We had we had a product. So this one we had product, but in the past I've done it without product. Okay. So we can go either route. Well, sure. Let's well, I think a lot of the the whole the whole mechanism of funding is easily the hottest topic mm-hmm. that we have as far as like listener engagement. Um, it's probably one of, if not the most popular conversation that I end up having, um, with people who would have thought when a business doesn't have cash, (laughs) you don't have a business. (laughs) There's the, the thing that I run into a lot is I'll talk to someone and they'll be like, man, you know, I just couldn't get funding. And I'll, and I'll say, well, why not? What happened? I talked to a bunch of people and I just couldn't get anyone interested. So how many people do you talk to? And they'll be, 
dude, like six. Oh my God. And I'm like, you're like 94 oh, short of, of the average. <laughs> right. And, th- and I say the average, I mean, I'm telling you, I've had very sophisticated, credible people that have often been successful in other ventures mm-hmm. that go out mm-hmm. and still have to talk to a shitload mm-hmm. of people. Sure. So I think that's probably if you're in a pre-product kind of phase, resolve your self, your whole thought process should resolve with, you're going to have to go talk to a lot of people. Definitely. And that's especially true if you're looking for an angel investor or venture capital investor, someone who does it more as a call it profession, not to say an angel investor is doing it professionally because it may just be a little side thing for them. But there's a lot of other ways that you can get a business funded that doesn't involve going to people who do it for the the financial return, at least the paper financial return or their their you know their spreadsheets that they're doing this modeling and stuff. And there's a lot of other ways to get a business funded that honestly is probably going to end up with you getting diluted a lot less, especially initially. And ideally, you're getting funded from customers. So yeah. that could be there in sales or in some type of agreement early on that if you build this thing, then they will purchase it. That's the best type of A lot of people overlook that option. Totally, and which that, is a shame. That's a that's a, a really valid thing. And there's there's a lot of accelerators and incubators and grant type programs, mm-hmm. including one we have here in Kansas City that's run by the Economic Development Corporation of Kansas City. If you can say that five times in a row, I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> Not going to happen. Yeah, nope. Or if you can say EDCKC without stuttering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they do, and so that's like local uh, grant money, and they did a thing over the last couple of years where they found corporate partners to sponsor a cohort. And these were like Black and Beach was one, and that was an engineering company. And they found they go and find other companies that are doing that are solving or coming close to solving problems that them or their customers have, and then they make a small investment. There's Perfect. a little bit of grant money, Perfect. And, and you know that's a really ideal thing because what what's more validating than revenue? Completely agree. And that's what you'll find is so many entrepreneurs at their core are tinkerers and builders. Mm -hmm. And it's great, but it's also unfortunate because a lot of times they fall into this fallacy that if you build it, they will come, which is the biggest entrepreneurial uh, fallacy in the world. So there's two things that happen when you go and you try to sell this product or service that you haven't even built yet, which is what I encourage you to do. Try to sell this thing that your product or service that you're planning to build before you've actually built it. And the reason is this, the first one is you're going to find how hard it is to sell shit. It's not easy. And what's well, especially when it's not a proven thing. Sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But yeah. The, 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 the two things that you're going to learn one is, can you even get in front of the right people to talk probably, about probably this product not. or service? Probably not. So that's the first. Yeah. So if you can figure that out, you're on a good track. The second one is once you do get to that person, they're going to tell you if this baby that you're planning to deliver into the world is ugly or not. And if it's which ugly, you, which you need to hear. Yes. Yes. You need to hear. Yeah. Especially before you yeah. spend years yeah. of yeah. your life and in, in hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. They're doing, doing you thing. a favor. They're Big not time. being critical. Like you should thank them. Don't, I think a lot of people that haven't gone through that, they come out of those meetings and they're like, fuck, the guy was an asshole, man. No, he was telling he you just saved your or ass. she was telling you the things that are stopping them from buying Correct. from you. Correct. So I, I remember, so I had a robotics company that I ended up selling to a publicly traded company. And the first thing I did before I built this robot is I went to the, the customers that I thought would be the, the single biggest potential sources of revenue for my company 
when this thing was built and I got in front of them before I built it and I said, here's what I'm thinking about. Here's where I think this is going to be valuable for you. Tell me, tell me where I'm wrong. And not only tell me where I'm wrong, but tell me what it would take for you to buy this thing and in what quantity, at what price, with what features. And they basically gave me my entire product roadmap yep. with all the details of what it is I needed to build. And they were early customers that would sign LOIs, which I could then take to investors to get funded. And it's just this, it's sort of this spiral effect. So go out to the people that you think are going to get the most value from your product or service before you build the thing and try to sell it to them and learn what it is they actually need. That's, that's critical. Before we hit record, I mentioned that I, uh, just this morning, which by the time you're hearing this will be older posts, but put up uh, under one minute, a video about tips for getting an early stage startup funded. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing is what problem does your business solve? And that's, you got to solve the problem for the customer, for the client. And as you mentioned, so many entrepreneurs, especially in these early stages, they're tinkerers, they're inventors, they're innovators, and they don't take enough time to stop and sell something. And it's so with that, you know, who are your clients? And that's, that's another thing too. It's like, have you identified who your target market is, who you try? It's so much easier to solve a problem when you know who you're solving it for. Mm -hmm. It's even easier to solve it when you just go ask the people what the biggest problem is. Like that's my right. favorite question that, to ask in life, or at least over the last few years is what's the biggest problem you're trying to solve? Mm -hmm. And people are like, um, well, uh, it's like I baffle them. And I shouldn't ask him, what, what's the biggest problem you're trying to solve right now at your business, Adam? We have millions of dollars being needlessly spent trying to build infrastructure. And we're trying to make it a hell of a lot more efficient. That's but what it, about a, your business? Your oh, sure. My personal yeah, problem? Yeah, actually, at your for business. For me, it's always recruiting, hiring, and retaining talent. Yeah. That's it, it. It's funny. We at full scale, that's our, our, our main acronym. When people say, what do you do? We say it's rare. So recruiting, assessing, retaining, and mm, employing. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal, man. All mm -hmm. that's tough, but no. So everyone, what's the biggest problem that you need to solve? If you can figure that out for the people that you want to do business with and you can, and you can come up with a reasonable solution or at least a reasonable attempt at a solution, and it sure gets a lot easier to oh, get no people kidding. to give you money. No kidding. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. And you know the one problem that I think the world overwhelmingly overlooks and doesn't really consider is uh, peace of mind. If your solution can generate peace of mind, there is like an intangible nature and value to that that is crazy. I mean, if yeah, it, the, yeah. The question is, how much would you pay me if you never had to think about this again? A lot. And but people, here's a, a blank check. It depends on what. Check. It depends Take on what it. it is, but the, probably a lot. I mean, there's yep. so many things, and I mean, just personally, professionally, physically, like all, all of that. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. if you can generate peace of mind, so think about that. And like I said, people overlook it. And when you're defining the problem that you're solving. And you want to go out and you want to do a pre-product pitch or even a sales pitch or anything. Dude, no one wants to hear your 27 item list of features. Right. I want to hear about the advantages and the benefits. That's what I'm going to buy. FAB. Know it. Learn it. If you ever catch yourself mentioning a feature, you need to train yourself to always follow with an advantage and a benefit. 
or just skip straight to the benefits. Mm -hmm. The benefit of, of what we're selling, of this product, of this solution, of this software, of this service is, mm -hmm. and don't assume that the people you're talking to that need the solution even understand that they need the solution. Sure. Fair point. Now, if you can do that, and, and, and this, is, this is the key in a pre-product pitch, plan, anything. You gotta know who you're selling to, and why the benefit of that solution matters to them. And one of the benefits is solving the problem of your investors wanting a return on their money. Yeah. If you can't lay that in the pitch too. That's what I tell people all the time when they think about investors and getting funding. Investors, they are investors. They believe in profit. That, that is their job. They are more their passionate job is about for the profit. Return. Correct. Yes. So your job is to yes. tell them, how much am I going to make you and over what time frame? That's it. They're but, not people, but people go into those meetings and they're like, I've got all these features and this is going to change <laughs> the world. And, you know, and, and, real, and look, here's a shot of realism. And if you're listening in the morning, hopefully this wakes you up, but no one gives a shit. Not on the investor side. They might, oh, that's a really neat solution. I love your passion about it. That's great. How are we going to make money? Mm -hmm. How are we going to generate mm -hmm. a return? Because mm -hmm. a lot of the people that you want money from pass the individual angel. Now, look, you may find people at the angel level that are, that are really passionate about you, the yes, mission, yes, whatever it is. Sure. Yes. And yeah. I've done that personally myself as yep. an investor. Yep. But when you get a little past that and you're talking to XYZ fund, they're there because they have to, they're trying to find the best opportunities for that fund to generate well, and a return for the people. Exactly, because they yeah. have to make money for their investors. Yes. It's not their yes. money. I mean, yeah. the, you're right, you know, a GP may have a little bit of money in their own fund, but by and large, they have to report to their bosses and make money for them. Yeah, and if they don't, it, they're SOL. It's death, yeah, basically, correct. because they're going to run out of money to invest. And if they don't, if fund one doesn't have any reasonable return, you're not going to they're not going to raise fund two, fund which two. means you can't have your fees and your carry. Yeah. And so you're, you know, you're not an investor. I, I've seen great ideas that would have been really beneficial for society come across my desk that just had no real monetization mm -hmm. around it. Mm -hmm. And I've told people, you know, one of them was actually a, a family member who had a solution that would have helped uh, medical care providers get through your lock screen to see hmm. if you had to like a homeless guy might go to the ER, but that guy has an iPhone somehow and he's passed out and they don't, they can't give him any treatment because they don't know what yeah. these things are yep. now. And you know, the, the premise was, well, this will save insurance companies a ton of money. Okay. So how, and I said, Okay, that's great. Can you prove that? Right. Have you talked to an insurance company? Can you company? prove that? Well, tell then, me what they told you. Well, talk, the next thing was, is, who do you know at Blue Cross Blue <laughs> yeah. Shield that's going to make a decision yeah. about this? Yeah, and yeah, they're exactly. like, well, no one, but I think they'll listen. I said, oh, you're, man. You, you were looking at, so I refer to the life cycle of cash and the life cycle of sales. You might be looking at like years. <laughs> like, do you have the cash to make it that far? And then also, this is something Apple should do. Not right. Like, like this isn't a money maker. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how you're going to make money out of this. It's a beautiful idea. I understand the problem and I, it's a noble cause. Unfortunately, this isn't for you unless you want to spend years driving yourself crazy, just trying to get a meeting at Blue Cross. Right. And then there's no way to <laughs> tangibly prove that, that like, how am I going to prove that opening an app behind an operating systems lock, which is a lot more difficult to do than just building an app. Correct. Yeah. 
Like, Especially I don't even know how you do that. FBI honestly. and DOJ can't even yeah. figure it out. <laughs> True. Good luck. True. True. Yeah. So <laughs> the point is, and then how do you prove that? Because there, there is a nature of like proof and proof of concept, especially in stuff like that. Because you, know, you finally get that meeting at Blue Cross Blue Shield. And this is going to save you a ton of money. Okay. These are like high. Okay. The people at the, at the insurance company, those are actuaries, dude. Those are probably really boring people that live and die. <laughs> literally by life and death stats, right? Like, like, you can't show me. It's crazy how accurate they are. With oh, that it's because unbelievable. Because they got a lot of data. There's billions of people. It's a big sample space. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I don't have any friends that are actuaries. They probably tell me when I die. And I don't want to know. I just want to, I just want to fall over and it'd be a game mm-hmm. over. But, but yeah, there's, so, you know, you talk about that. If you can't do all the stuff that we're talking about, I think you have little to no chance of getting I agree. I, mean, I agree. It's just, it's unless you hard, know yeah. someone, but even that's only going to get you so far. Yeah. You got to be in the business of you, uh, business, businesses have to make money and have a profit. Your business model can't be continually getting. So what I like to tell people we're, you know, we're not a nonprofit. We're not doing, yeah. we're, we are doing this for profit. Now we're trying to do good in the world. Don't get me wrong. And I do think that there's a, a great overlap. If you have a Venn diagram of profitable business and doing something good in the world, there's definitely a sweet spot in the middle, which is where I like to play, but you got to keep in mind, Without profit, without revenue, without cash, you screwed. Yeah. Which is why the nonprofit model to me is just hilarious in many ways. Yeah, it's tough. Because they should be working themselves out of a job. It's the same thing with cities. If I ran my business the way the government runs theirs, I'd be done. <laughs> yeah. I would like be on, I'd be like Sam SBF with his failed crypto exchange. Mm-hmm. Like, where did the billions go? Mm-hmm. I think we got to ask that. I, I don't get into sex, religion, or politics on this show, but I will say I do believe capitalism is the cure. Mm. Uh, you're from Princeton, New Jersey, uh, originally, and I'm assuming that's actually where Princeton University. I'm from is. here originally, yes, yeah. but that's where your headquarters HQ is are. in Sorry, Princeton. Right? That's quite all right. Yeah, and that yeah, is where I Princeton had a professor is. of entrepreneurship on the show. We that uh, was the topic: the history of entrepreneurship. A guy named Derek Lido, very cool, who writes books on the subject, and he proved out again and again and again during that episode, how capitalism and entrepreneurship are without a doubt, the biggest driver and mover of societal and mm-hmm. just every kind of change. Mm-hmm. And there, and that's because there has to be a little bit of enterprise. I was, I was going to ask, is it playing on the fact that humans are I'm not going to say greedy? I feel like that's kind of a dirty word. It's but a, we it's always a, it's wanna, a resource thing. It's hard. It, we want to. There is a little bit of a greed that goes to it, but you look at like what you're doing. So if you were, you, if your business, so the premise would be like if your SaaS company was a non, a, a not for profit, which does, I have a hard time even saying that. It like doesn't compute for mm-hmm. me. Uh, but if that's the case, then it's just hard to get people to put money and resource into it, and without resource and everything, you just have less rocket fuel, you have less interest, you have less everything. And uh, the the people that I spend, I have a hobby uh, uh, over this last couple of years of studying the traits of genius. Mm. And there's 24 of them that are really well known, like, and they're all things you can be better at, which is the amazing thing. But one of them is enterprise. Mm. And if you look at all of the people that you consider to be genius, or people that move needles, and there is there are very few that didn't have like, okay. Uh, Marie Curie is one that didn't have a lot of enterprise, but she mm. studied radiation and all that other stuff. And that 
you know, she also died from that, unfortunately. That might have had something to do with it. But with that, that was, like a a couple sci- more that was scientific research. But with that, later, that research did become an enterprise and you know, mm-hmm. learned a lot of different mm-hmm. stuff with it. But, but yeah, most of, most of everything um, had an enterprising nature to it. Mm-hmm. Even the genius people considered uh, that were artists, you know, and musicians, and they're able to accelerate what they do and actually have more time to focus on doing just that because the enterprise nature allows them to get people around that can help. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about that for a second, because if you have also mentioned in my video, if you want to check out our videos, you know, go to, we have, there's a startup hustle YouTube channel. We're on Instagram. You can follow any of the hosts. We all have personal profiles and in 2023 and beyond, we're committed to sharing more nuggets in short form. Love that. The TikTok, TikTokification oh, of everything. I, you know, I hated it at first and then I started <laughs> making it and I'm like, God, this is so much easier. Yeah, it is. It's, it's kind just, of fun. It gets a little addicting. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's also a lot easier to produce because, you know, years ago there was like a production requirement. Mm-hmm. We just threw that shit out the window. Mm-hmm. Like during COVID, we're like, yeah, are you even wearing pants right now? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, I mean, fuck it, whatever it takes. But yeah, you can find us and there's, there's a lot of stuff in there that you'll find useful. Um, you know, with, with the, you know, the evolution of, of funding, one of the things that is going to make it easier for people to put financial support behind you is the strong team. Mm-hmm. And I used to not be a co-founder kind of person. Now I'm a, bit, a huge advocate of it. But a, so in early stages, especially pre-product, equal and usually more weight is going to go into the founder than the actual product. There's, right. Hey, people, there's great ideas everywhere. No, they're, I want great people ideas that can execute. Nothing. To me, they mean absolutely the, nothing. The currency, nothing. The, the currency that entrepreneurship trades in is execution. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, but, oh, yeah. but having that team, and if you have credibility, especially, you need to be focused maybe as much, if not more on that than the product. On Completely. I had a friend growing up, his dad was an unbelievably successful entrepreneur, small business owner, sort of blue collar you know, run of the mill dude on the street, you'd never know that he was worth millions of dollars. I'll never forget. I wouldn't consider him to be bright by any measurable standards. You'd have a conversation with him and you'd be like, I don't know if the wheels are turning in this guy's head or not. Unbelievably successful though. And, And here's the reason why. I was probably 13, 14 at the time. Occasionally my friend would bring me in to help him work on whatever stuff in the warehouse or help run the business. And one day he was, his dad was looking for a cashier. He was trying to hire a cashier. And all he did was handwrite on a piece of paper, cashier needed 10 bucks an hour, whatever it was. He put it outside on the door and whoever walked in, he was willing to hire him. And I'm thinking, wait a second, you don't want to do interviews with these people. You don't want to do background checks. You don't want to figure out if they're druggies, if they're going to show up, you know, day to day, whatever. You don't want to do any of that. And he said, no. Because all I need is a cashier. I can train someone to do this. If they don't work out, they don't work out and I'll find the next person. It's not a big deal. So what did he do? He hired the first person that walked in. They were a great cashier. They worked for months, if not years. And that was the end of the story. He never overthought any decision yeah. in his business. He just did it. And his whole thing was, it's, it's not going to make or break my business if I hire a shitty cashier, but I need the cashier now. So I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to execute. Yeah. And that's something that's, that's sort of a mantra that I've been, my friends and I and other entrepreneurs for 2023, at least that's what I've set for my own is keep the Nike model in mind. Just, just do, do it. it. Say that just do it. Just I, do I it. I also say jump and build wings. 
It helps if you have the stuff to build the wings when you jump, but nothing will make you find it or build them faster than <laughs> knowing that that canyon floor That's is right. getting a Your lot closer. Your face is about but to hit the dirt. I, there's yeah. no such thing as the right time. Now, speaking of the right time, it is the right time for full scale to help you find expert software developers. And that doesn't have to be difficult. You can make it simple when you go to fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably, use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Fullscale.io to learn more. You talk, that is a simplicity. Um, we can, in less than two minutes, we got all the information. We can gather all the information we need to pair you up with experts. It used to be longer and I just, I'm obsessed with shortening that process and, and, and that simplicity. I'm in that boat with you, man. And, um, you know, you mentioned like the just do it or the, um, yeah, I, some of the most successful people I know are not the people with 158 IQs. Mm -hmm. In fact, I don't think I know many successful people that have a 158 IQ. You know, there, there's a level of determination drive. I mean, that, and, and tenacity that you know, are you, I, and I like entrepreneurs with scars. You know, like I'm going to write a check to one. Oh, wow. As, as Adam shows me a very large scar across his head, that, that was intense. That is definitely, yeah. that's, yeah. wow. Um, yeah. So the, the point with the scars thing is, is also if you, okay, don't be afraid to admit that you need help or that you failed in the past. Um, a lot of investors like that. And if you're, if you're coming in, you're this hot shot that's never had a big fail. You're feeling kind of bulletproof. Mm -hmm. And until you learn, you're not you be real cavalier with shit, man. It's like, there's a, there's a, there is a entrepreneurship has a way of humbling. Oh yeah. Talented, smart people. Oh yeah. You bet. Yeah. So <laughs> you I, I said you go into these meetings and I think if you have a level of self-awareness that said that identifies what, where, and what you need help with, um, that's why you're at the meeting. That's why you need the money. That's why you need the help. That's why you need the funding. And I think that that, I think a lot of people try to avoid that. Which it, yeah. Which it's is not rosy. the right way to think about it. No, because it's just sunny. simply, it's not true. That's yeah. the first thing. It's just not true. And any investor sophisticated or not should understand that it's never you know, ponies and rainbows coming out your ass. Yeah. Entrepreneurship sucks. Oh yeah. It can be really, really hard. Yeah, I've been there. And the the fact the resilience factor is a huge deal. And as you mentioned, understanding where your blind spots are, where you need help. Investors want to know investors want to look at your business as if it were a black box and they put a dollar in on one side and two dollars come out on the other. Whatever happens in between happens. As long as they're not illegal, they're gonna be sure. cool with it. But you got to understand how that black box works and you got to understand the dollar that's going in, here's exactly what the machine looks like that's going to produce. Or the, you need to understand that two. the black box is missing part D. Sure. It's and, missing the crank. You need the money, you need the money to either build that, find that, or repair totally. it. And totally. That, and understanding that and demonstrating that I, it goes a long way. So that's, that's and back to our pre-product conversation, a lot of times what the entrepreneurs are missing with that black box early on is the cash generation feature. Where are you going to get revenue from? And in a pre-product environment, if you don't have a compelling enough vision or aren't able to sell someone at a customer on this thing that you plan to build and at least get an LOI or MOU signed, oftentimes that's all it takes 
to get funding yeah. from an investor because yeah. there is a clear roadmap to you making money with this black box. I did that a few years ago. I actually uh, owned an office building. This was a while ago. And um, with that, uh, we had a particularly good year at the business. And my accountant was like, you know, Matt, you should spend some money. And I said, well, what can I do? And how about a health and fitness program for your employees? Great idea. Hmm. So I went down to the local store that sold fitness equipment and I spent $25,000 in an hour. And the guy that sold it to me had a company that delivered the stuff and dropped it off. And it was great. You know, we used the equipment for like two weeks before we got lazy again. <laughs> But funny he, how that he works. Co- yeah, he co- <laughs> world class gym. <laughs> really, no motivation right. to use it. Uh-huh. it was not world class motivation. But a couple months later, the guy called me up and he said, "Hey, man, I don't want to bother you, but um, you know, I've got I, I, you know, basically, can I buy you lunch? Can I come to you? Which, by the way, is a key thing here. Make it convenient for people to hear." your pitch. Sure. But he called me up and he was, you know, he was like, Hey, I'd love some advice. And I was like, you know, man, I, I, he'd given me a discount when I bought just cause he was being nice, maybe because I bought a lot of stuff, but he came over and, and showed me that. So he had, he basically had a letter of intent. He had the ability to have his delivery company do all the deliveries for the local company where he worked. Mm-hmm. And they were cool with that. They wanted that because it was a problem they needed to solve. It's mm-hmm. a real hassle to deliver. And this is, we're talking like tens of millions of dollars worth of equipment. He needed money. He needed some expertise. He needed a warehouse, which I had in the back of my building and just kind of needed some help, needed to buy a truck and some other stuff. So I did it. I did it. And the demand and, was and there. It was, well, it was easy. It mm-hmm. was like, that was like ready to go. It mm-hmm. was like, I just had to, you know, add water and it sure, grew. Sure. I, and I told him I was up front. I was like, Hey, look, I can, I can provide you financial resources and some of these other stuff. My time is, is a challenge. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I don't want, and, you know, I got that right out front and I ended up making an investment and, you know, he did, it was off to the races, did really well. Um, I got, I had a return on my investment in full in like six months, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Made some money down the road, helped him grow the business. And then because I didn't want to encumber the business, I, I, he called me up one day and I was talking to him. I was like, do you have any interest in buying the rest of your shares? But he's like, dude, I thought, I didn't think you'd ever be interested in that. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, for me, I'd already made, I'd done well with it. And I liked the guy and I wasn't providing a whole lot of value at that sure. point, and I'd had investors. But you're just like, getting what you're just getting a check every month. From I was this guy? Get, yeah, I was getting some residual okay. stuff, and they're right. owned twenty five percent of the business, okay. so he got right. paid to work at the business, you know. And then there was some dividends and stuff that came in. So why did you decide to cash out? Uh, honestly, because I wasn't providing value. Hmm. I wasn't doing a whole lot with that, um, and I and I really liked the guy. Hmm. Uh, it wasn't really my thing, you know, and and. Um, I, you know, I debated it. I was like, I could just keep getting checks and I like to provide value with this stuff and be involved with it. And, you know, and, and, and I did well with it. You know, I think five or six times my original investment back and, and I enjoyed seeing, I, I think it was maybe more cause I liked him. That's, there's a lot to be said for that. I, you know, I, I felt like it was, it, it was, I didn't need the money. I didn't I sure always take a check. I mean, and, but you know, and I, and I also didn't hold his feet to the fire. I mean, he gave a very reasonable price and mm-hmm. it was a clean transaction on the way out. And you know what happened about 
Uh, that was six months before the pandemic. Oh man! And then when the pandemic came, you know, everyone's buying home fitness equipment, mm-hmm. and, and they and it it boomed. It, it went hockey. Oh stick. wow! Good. All right. Well, good for him. Sure. But, oh yeah. yeah. But but with that, I still joke. You know, he's still a friend, and uh, you know, him and his wife, and I don't know. I just, I mean, I I, I made a profit on the transaction. I was happy with that, mm-hmm. and you, know, you should but, support a local entrepreneur. The Kansas City ecosystem benefits from it. He yeah. creates jobs. It's all good stuff, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and with that, like I said, I could have just hung on to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not really the space that I'm in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can look back at that and would it have probably been worth more, mon- more money for me to just kind of be that guy on the side? Sure, but if I don't have an interest in being involved like that, you know, I don't, I, I mean, it's, I'm open things. Yeah. I think, and that's another thing we should probably talk about is looking for the right kinds of investors. I was just going to say, I would caution you then to I'm look the at right investors. Kind, I was the right kind of investor. Exactly. Fairly one. passive. Here's do do what you want to do, right? If yeah. you need help, call me. But the investors that really want to get their hands into your business, especially ones that don't understand what it is you do, your industry, or have connections with customers, there's this concept of smart money versus dumb money. And if you haven't been an entrepreneur raising capital, you may not be thinking about this. Investors should, it should be a one plus one equals three equation. It shouldn't just be, we put cash in and that's what it is. They should, they should in theory bring connections, whatever, profitability models, sales stuff, other investor, whatever it it should be defined that they won't. Yes. Because that's still okay. It's okay to take the money. Yep. But I think that's, I talk to a lot of people that are, have over the, I mean, the last 10, 15 years that are really disappointed in their investors. I think that's probably why I sold part of the moving company back. Mm. I didn't like to, I've had disappointing partners in the past and it sucked and I didn't really want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so establish that up front because a lot of people talk, they're like, oh, I'm so disappointed. I thought they were going to do this. I thought they were going to do that. I hear that a lot about the quote advisor. I'm like, do you pay the advisor or did you just a lot of people do you just, well, you should. Yes. If, if, if they are truly advisory, don't and expect helpful. people to give a shit. Don't expect busy people to give a shit about stuff that doesn't really equate to much mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. So if, yeah, if a lot of people, you know, the advisory board's a hot thing for a lot of people, but if you don't pay your advisors, you shouldn't, or, or they don't have a vested interest in something, then it's just going to be an inconvenience for them. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a, lim- a limit to that right. or you're not going to have great advisors. There's a lot of people too that wonder how you compensate an advisor. We won't get into it now, but I would say reach out to, I don't matter if you have ideas on it or myself, I've done this time and time and time again, and it doesn't have to be straight cash. There are many ways you can do it. Just think carefully like about the people you're bringing on. You can do the, options. The part warrants. you need to think carefully about is a lot of people want to just bring on an investor or sometimes even like a co-founder and they just give them equity. And for me, I've... I, and a big title. Yeah. Or and you got to be real careful yeah, about that kind of something stuff. something goofy. Yep. And the thing is, is like that should be vested over time. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. If you're going to give yep. someone a percentage of anything, like there should be a clause that defines what reasonable contribution is. Mm-hmm what it isn't and also how you get out of that. Right. I had that occur with, uh, with an advisor that we signed up for Gigabook and, uh, just got nothing and ended up sending a letter that was like, sorry, see you around, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. now we gave them nothing because they didn't contribute anything. We had a couple investors. So Gigabook 
was, became full scale in many ways. And uh, in order to make that happen, a lot of our original co-founders and people that own little pieces, they got decent checks. I mean, did they retire off of them? No, but no one complained about the 30, 40, $50,000 check they got for a little tiny piece of a company Mm -hmm. that, you know, they have very little, reasonably had very little to do with building. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said there, but, but looking for the right kind of investors as well, it also means Okay, so you talk about we, we're using the word product, and that could be software or it could be a physical product. But if you make a physical product, you're wasting your time if you're chasing investors that only invest in enterprise software. And That's right. If, and if you build <laughs> enterprise software, you're wasting your time in chasing investors that only do sure fund manufacturing yeah. or something like yep. that yep. and i think that's a mistake a lot of people make is you're just chasing the wrong people just say next and move on and find someone a little more suited and totally I, yeah or fi- yeah well, I mean, maybe they'll, they'll change their mind no you won't no, no you not won't. not gonna no, happen not again they're they're these are professionals this is what they do for a living and a lot of times if you just do a little bit of diligence you'll find not only what types of businesses they invest in, but at what stage, what yep. size of check they cut, when they like to come in on rounds, do they require board seats, all those yep. things. You can find, it's all publicly available oh, for yeah. the most part. So start to whittle down your shit before you go out to market yep. to go and raise money. And it'll be a lot easier for you and for them. Well, and that's, you know, I was uh, almost uh, about to run to the founders freestyle here, but I want to, uh, you know, I realized I missed a key component. Um, you need to define what you're going to plan on doing with the money. Use of proceeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, a lot of people are, okay, do not say these fucking words at your pitch. <laughs> I don't need the money. <laughs> I did that once and literally, I did and literally had the uh, potential investor say, well, that's where we always stop our meetings. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that was a dumb thing to say. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I did need the money. I, well, I didn't. I didn't. I needed the money because I didn't want to keep putting my own in. Right. But that's part of it. So if you don't need it, then why are you here? Right. That's right. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Now, speaking of needs, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, full scale can help. We have the people, the platform, and the process to help you build and manage a team of experts. All you have to do is go to fullscale.io. You're going to answer a couple questions, literally two minutes. Two minutes of questions and our platform will match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders at full scale. We specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more at fullscale.io. So here we are, you know, man, the time always goes so fast. I, these kind of topics just breeze by too. Mm-hmm. I could probably sit here for hours on this and I don't know if the world needs that many of my opinions, but uh, so I, I like to end my episodes with founders with a, with a quick freestyle and I'll hand you the mic and give you an opportunity to do. I've had people sing, rap, recite poetry. I don't have those skills. You don't. I yeah, don't have those. Skills. Well, I didn't say that, that they did it well, <laughs> but they've done it. And, I don't. I want to say people's the, ears. The point is, is it's a freestyle, so yeah. you can say whatever you want. Yeah. So I think. I think that it, the most common approach is either talking about key points or thanking or reminding themselves of shit they forgot to talk about mm-hmm. during the show. Mm-hmm. I would say I got to do a quick pitch on Transcend. If you are yeah. an engineer, a utility leader, someone that's responsible for building our infrastructure, critical infrastructure, water, power, bro- roads, bridges, whatever it might be, please reach out. There's so much that can be done to accelerate these 
capital planning processes and master planning processes with software. It doesn't have to be this cumbersome multi-year pain in the ass experience that it is today. That's one. The second one is if anything we talked about today interests you, please reach out. Not enough people take advantage of it. Our time is limited, but I do like to help entrepreneurs where I can. So Matt mentioned it earlier, adamtank.com. There's a form on there you can fill out. I try to respond to every email I get. If it's connections to potential investors, if it's helping you think through an idea, if it's a kick in the ass, whatever it is, just reach out because I am someone, and it sounds like Matt, you are too. We like to help when we can without any expectation of something in return. Because for me, the return is seeing other people become successful. I didn't have someone when I was young enough to tell me that entrepreneurship and business was a route that would allow me to be free in life. And whatever freedom means to you, you can define that for yourself. But if I can help someone reach that goal that they have in mind for themselves so that they can be free, live a a life of less stress, of less worry, build a better life for their families, whatever it is, I want to be able to help where and when I can. So please reach out, adamtank.com. That's a very Buddhist principle, the <laughs> giving with that no expectation of return. I, I try to live that myself. I, I I blow minds with that. I just donated some money to a charity that has like a gala event. And, uh, and as they were coming up to prepare, they're like, well, what do you want your, what do you want the program to say? I was like, I don't want my name in the no. program. They're like, well, what picture do you want? I'm like, I don't want to be in the program. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went through like a whole thing and I, it was like, well, we just don't want you to be upset when you get here and your name's not on the program. I'm like, who have you been getting donations from, man? Like, and then the guy that runs it called me and it was like, you really don't want, I was like, the only, the only way I would want my name in there is if you think that's going to help you somehow right. raise more money now. Right. He said, well, I think it would. I said, okay, then prove it. He's like, well, and I was like, okay, I don't want my name in anything. Save, save the ink and save the paper. Sure. Um, and one of the things that I think that is important here is, well, first off, we forgot to mention you raised $13 million for your business. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. definitely uh, experience and credibility with that. And I think that, that I want to go back to the ask for help um, thing. And that doesn't necessarily mean from investors all the time. Um, entrepreneurs, I, I will say, especially as I've gotten older, there's been this, I, I, believe in knowledge transfer. And it's kind of like the village elder of sorts. As I've gotten older, I feel more and more of the need to help other people because I look back at my own timeline. And, you know, as I was mid-20s and I got a little older, there's man, there were so many people that took an interest in me. And I don't know if I at the time I really truly realized like why, but it, I think a lot of them saw themselves, a younger version of themselves with me. And then I think that there's this inherent need to for entrepreneurs to potentially help other ones avoid the money pits and anguish and sleepless nights and totally and empty bank accounts and and failures that could have been avoided um and that's there's no conversion tracking metric on that when it comes to it but the the thing is is knowledge is not meant to be kept it's meant to be transferred Mm -hmm. and shared and Mm -hmm. there's a very powerful thing to that because I think a lot of times those of us that have experience, we get a little heady and think we know a lot. And then we go and teach it. And wow. <laughs> like I just like told this guy like eight things to do and I'm not doing three of them yeah, myself. Yeah. And, and, and if you're any good at what you do, there's a self-correction mechanism that we'll get in there. I, I hired a mindfulness coach hmm. in the fourth quarter of 2022 and, and we'll be working with her all of this in 2023. It, it maybe forever who knows because she does a really good job of 
of, get, of making me speak and be honest about the truth to myself. And that, and, and that is helpful. You know, it's like, you know, we, we are filled as humans with self-deception. We tell ourselves one thing. I, I did a call with her and she's like, I'm hearing you say, I don't know a lot in this call. And aren't you in the business of knowing? <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, yes, yes. But, mm-hmm. but part of the, I don't know. I didn't know. I did know. I was telling myself that to essentially, we tell ourselves a lot of things. You mentioned the just do it thing. The right time never comes, man. That's a myth. The right time is never here. We tell ourselves like my book balance me has the, a chapter or a section, I should say called the right time. myth. It's not the right time for me to do this. It's not the right time. Now um, I know you recently had a child. So starting a new business two days before the birth of your child, was probably not the right time. <laughs> there are exceptions to that where yeah, the timing sure, isn't great, sure. but at the same time, um, you know, the window and and doors of opportunity swing open and shut pretty quickly right. and and pretty firmly. That's what I, I mean. That's I like to think about it in that the opportunities will will bring themselves to you. The doors will open. The timing will happen. Yeah, but if you're not if them. you're not taking you shots, look, yeah, you got to look for them. If you're not taking yeah. shots, you'll never walk through the door. Yeah. So you got to start walking because if you don't walk, the doors are going to be swinging open, but you're never going to walk through them. So just get started. Just do something, do anything. And you're right. You're going to be for, much further than the people just sitting around thinking yeah. about well, it. Well, hockey legend Wayne Gretzky is that's it. You, you miss, you miss 100% of the shots, of the shots yeah. you don't take. Yep. And, and you know, that's, there's a lot. I can go down there. I also talk about being aware of the shot because a lot of people take the shot and don't look to see if it goes in mm-hmm. or by not some of the things we mentioned by aiming for the wrong investors, by not understanding your target market. Now you're shooting baskets in a, in a pitch black gym. You know, you don't know what you're, <laughs> you're shooting, shooting baskets at, at an ice hockey. Rink. Well, sure. <laughs> or, and then not looking to see if they go in yeah. and not taking yeah. the shot at all. And like, these are, these are, these sound like dumb little things that people say, and maybe they are, but they're true. I think I'm going to get back to work, man. All right, there we go. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.